Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Boosting Your Financial IQ. Today I have the special guest, Spencer Sherman. He's the founding CEO of Abacus Wealth Partners. We're going to be talking about creating a healthy relationship with money. So I'm really excited for this one. And uh, Spencer, he wrote a book recently, and we'll get into that uh, and talk about what that's all about here. So Spencer, welcome to the show. Steve, I am so happy to be here talking about financial intelligence, emotional intelligence. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, great. So let, let's kick things off with your book, okay? Because I know writing a book takes a tremendous amount of effort. I just finished my third one and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that to be done off to the publishers and out of my hands. I can't say out of my hair because I'm bald. But um, so let's talk about your book, The Cure for Money Madness. What was the genesis behind writing this book? What was your motivation? And if somebody's like, hey, I, I don't have time to read it, just give me the, the key points here. What do you say to all that? Yeah. So what I discovered, so I was a math guy. I I loved analytics. I went to business school, got my MBA, and I said, I'm gonna do I'm gonna just do so well as a financial advisor. I'm gonna do so well with my own money because I know the numbers. And then I discover that it's not just about the numbers, that I'm making all these impulsive decisions with my finances. My clients are making impulsive decisions, very emotional decisions about investing about spending and i realized something else is going on here and it's like once you have this very basic and this was very humbling to me steve after slaving away getting my mba and everything else and going to the top business school it's like once you have basic really basic financial literacy it's emotional intelligence drives our success more than anything and i think that's true both I've, I've felt that both with our personal finances and in the business world, I think it's it's my emotional intelligence, which went from zero back then because I didn't I w- had no focus on it. You know, that is what has driven my success more than anything, more than the MBA. Explain that. So how does somebody get emotional intelligence if they're emotionally dumb? Right? Yeah. Which is what I was for sure. Right. We've yeah. been there. I've been there. Trust. Me. Yeah. I think I'm probably about average now. Uh, but you know, I started out really behind. It's it's gaining this this sense of the emotions that are rising when the markets, like let's say the markets are going down, and to be aware of that fear that's coming up is the same fear we felt maybe when we were like first trying to dive into a swimming pool or something. That fear has nothing to do with the markets. It's just the fear that's been in your body since you were two years old. And then you look at the and you look at the data. You see that it makes no sense to sell at the bottom. It makes sense to buy at the bottom. And you realize, and you, through this practice, you keep interrupting yourself. So it's not okay to interrupt others. But I always say, interrupt yourself when you feel that fear with your finances. You feel that fear when you're about to fire somebody. Acknowledge that fear, and then look at the evidence. Because often we just get caught up in the fear and we don't look at the evidence. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that because you know, I've, I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but I'll just say it again. When I grew up, you know, we grew up financially poor. I mean, I was rich because my mom is like a rock star. I love my mom and she's this great emotional support. She always provided this loving household. So even when we didn't have money, like, and I'm talking about like we were broke and we needed like, you know, food support and everything else because my mom is trying to raise us as a single mom. She she dealt with this, you know, a couple of bad marriages. And anyways, 
she found herself back out in the workforce, working multiple jobs. And, you know, money was this bad thing because it took my mom out of the house, you know, because she had to go work. So I'm like, there's never enough. It's a scarcity. And I just had this terrible relationship with money. I leave home. I get it, leave home at 16. I have zero dollars, no safety net behind me. So I started this business, a landscape business, kind of by mistake. And I started building it up from the ground zero, you know, like building it from my sister's garage. I had no safety net. So Spencer, if like I failed, like if I didn't collect on a job or if I got myself in a bind, like there's no backup other than like a credit card and I maybe had like a thousand dollar limit on, right? So I would, I had this scarcity mindset with money and it carried with me in all different aspects. When it came to bidding on projects, you know, I thought the price should be in relation to my financial position. So I'd go out there and I'd literally like price out somebody's job. And I did all the numbers. I had the spreadsheet and it's like, okay, it's $15,000 for this job. But dang, that's a lot. Like that's a lot of money to ask for somebody. And so instead I would just discount it and say, okay, you know, it's gotta be like 12. That's more reasonable. 15 yeah. out of control. And then I yeah. did the work and guess what? I lost money. And I did that over and over and over again. It yeah. is a scarcity mindset that, you know, carried with me, not just my landscape business, but then in yeah. investing and business, you know, and all, all this stuff. Until one day I was like, oh my gosh, I have to change the way I think about money. I have to change my relationship with money. Otherwise, I'm going to you know, do terrible. I'm going to continue to fail and I'm not going to be able to you know, get the financial life that I want to live and I'm not going to have the freedom that, that I want. So talk to me about relationship with money because that's just my yes. story. Other yeah. They grow up with a ton of money. Make I love for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, often with a ton of money, I mean, you can have, you can have sort of the opposite where you, where you're just more laissez-faire and, and you, you don't actually make any effort. You just assume maybe, maybe the person with lots of money would, would, you know, overcharge or something and not get the business or not show up because they'd say, well, who cares? I mean, you really cared, but you priced yourself sometimes too low because you were coming from that emotional place of fear and scarcity yeah. from your upbringing. And I think that the the relationship to money, th this is this is a key thing. If you want to just get it all in two seconds, think about an iceberg. An iceberg has the tip of the iceberg. That tip is everything you think about with money. It's taxes and mortgages and investments and insurance and cash flow and, and how much we charge somebody. It's all the numbers and analytics and it's all important, but we forget that there's a submerged part of the iceberg with money. And in that submerged part of the iceberg, that's where our fear is, our anxiety, and that's where our fixed beliefs are that bring on that fear and anxiety. Fixed beliefs like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I can't charge more than X. I can't charge more than twelve thousand dollars for a landscaping job. Or, uh, you know, I, uh, I hear a lot of women saying I can't earn more than X dollars a year. Or I think maybe guys say that too. We all say it. Or rich people are happier. Or you know, mine was money's more important than anything. And these messages, when we when we really grip on these messages, they get us in trouble. I mean, it led me to let, to to do some very impulsive speculative investing with friends. You know, thinking like this is my ticket to making millions of dollars, and if I don't do the investment, I'm going to have enormous FOMO. I was so gripped, like I had to invest with my friends. It was it was blank and crazy, Steve. Yeah, I did those investments. It was like. It, it was so self-destructive and it was so much about this like fantasy, the FOMO it was all emotionally driven. My Wharton MBA was out the window. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like all, all the fundamentals of finance and strategy and markets and everything can sometimes just go out the window in these irrational times or with limiting beliefs or whatever it may be. I had somebody from the Boostshare Financial IQ community reach out and she said, Steve, look, you know, I have this issue. Like, how this business is, is successful. It's making money, but I spend all the money I have. And it's like, I don't know if it's this, like, um, I don't deserve the money. I'll deserve success. So I'm going to just spend it. And it's this self She's just trying to get rid of it, maybe. Yeah. Right. So she's just trying to get rid of it, even though she's smart. She knows, obviously, yeah. hey, I should save and invest and do all this stuff. And so there's people like that that have these bad relationships with money where, like you said, with limiting beliefs, you're like, hey, look, you know, like I'll never earn this much. I'm, you know, fill the blank. I'm not a numbers person. I'm a engineer. I'm a yeah. woman. I'm a man. I'm a cat, whatever it may be. Like, yes. Way. Yeah. And we have all these limiting beliefs, whether they're positive or negative or whatever. What are your thoughts on that? And how does somebody like escape? Yeah. These, yeah. These beliefs. That- yeah, that's the key question. So here's the here's the good news. You don't need to get rid of these beliefs. You're, it's probably impossible. I still have my beliefs, but they don't run me the way they used to. And the way to make that happen is to keep interrupting yourself, to keep becoming aware of the beliefs that are driving you every time you feel any kind of emotion, especially in every money interaction. And that comes up many times a day. So you have many opportunities to practice Notice the emotion and then ask yourself, what belief is driving me right now? And then one more little thing to do is to sit for a minute and just offer yourself some kindness, some compassion for taking on that belief. When you were five years old, you didn't know any better. Money was abstract. You saw your parents arguing about money or being silent about money, but you felt the the tension. You felt the the lack of money, and you made up a story when you were five years of age to sort of work it out in your mind, as five or six-year-olds do, and you just have to offer compassion to that young child because that child believes that message, and you don't want to erase the child. So just let it be, but you're no longer going to be so allegiant to the message. Yeah, and I like that because we treat ourselves like crap sometimes. Like if you treated our friends like the way we treat ourselves or we exactly friends that we say in our head I mean, exactly we friends right exactly i mean you you just said you just you just prompted me for my favorite question steve is to ask yourself this is a great way to trick trick your brain and make a better financial decision when you're about to buy that house or that investment you're investing in your friend's company that ask yourself what would i advise a friend of mine who had my exact situation who's dealing with this challenge, what would I say to my friend? Usually that will catapult us into wisdom, common sense. We would never tell a friend to invest in an overly speculative company where there's like no chance of making money, but we do it to ourselves. And those are the kinds of things, you know, um, you, you mentioned me, we talked a while ago about shame. And it's like, those are the kinds of things where we don't want to tell our spouse, right? I didn't tell my spouse that I was making this investment. I just was, I'll, I'll let her know when it hits the home run. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's spot on. And that's why I'm like such a huge advocate for financial intelligence. Obviously this podcast, Boosting Your Financial IQ is like yeah. my pet project here because I'm so passionate about this I- idea of financial literacy. Like if you're going to invest in stocks, let's say, or let's say you're going to start a business. If you don't understand how to read financial statements or just speak the language of money or understand the story behind the numbers. I'm not talking about like 
being a nerd in the back office and doing debits and credits and saying, hey, you know, accounting, you know, guidance 309C says this. I'm not saying that, but if you can't understand, okay, here's revenue. Here are the costs of the company. Here, you know, here's how it trickles down to operating profit and then ultimately free cash flow. And free cash flow leads to these metrics and there's these other things. And if you're evaluating a company and saying, yeah, you know, I could see how, you know, their their PE ratio combined with their free cash flow, combined with their growth rate, combined with these other metrics will lead to an appreciating stock. Okay, I think this is a good investment. If you can't understand all that, then you're just speculating. You're just gambling. You're just like, I don't know, my friend over here, he said Google is going to be like the next, yeah. you know, like unicorn. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to invest in it. Now, it could work out with like Google, but how many other startups or IPOs are out there where people are like, yeah, this is great. You know, like I remember Honest Company, like when they came out, like Honest Company's great. They have great products. I bathed my kids with their shampoo and their body washes. IPO came out, looked at their financials, and you know, I was like, okay, maybe I won't go on in on Honest, even though I love their products, because there's some question marks. And and Honest Company, the the stock is you know tanks since their IPO. I'll I'll the words out today, but uh, yeah. the point is that if you don't have that basic financial understanding, or you're partnering with somebody who can guide you through the process, then you're just speculating. You're like you said, and you're gambling. You're yes. most- and, and that gambling is often coming from a place of fear and scarcity, a place of that I'm not, you know, that if I need to hit a huge grand slam home run in order to be okay, that kind of like fantasy thinking, often the bedrock in the fantasy is fear, is scarcity. Yeah. So that's what we want to sort of start overcoming. And one of the pieces of good news for the financial world that I don't think you can say about any other domain is that and the, you know there was an article in the New York Times about this, showing these studies from Vanguard Fidelity, is that if you just keep it very simple and just like invest in index funds, you can do extremely well. And what the article said is that women do, not only do they, they don't just do better than men, they do much better than men. And the, they, they, the authors think that it's because they have less less emotion around money, less maybe arrogance, like I know what's gonna happen in the future which is the kind of thing that I feel at times that I have to check myself and say, yeah. no, let that go. Go to the evidence. The evidence is if you spread it out, keep it diversified, be patient, you're going to make money over time. You know, will you be the A plus student? Maybe not, but you'll probably get an A minus or an A if you keep it very simple. Right. Exactly. No, and I agree. I, I completely agree. I, I think you're spot on. And and when it comes to like that long-term investment horizon, why do you think so many people, like, is it just purely driven by fear and this like need to succeed or they just don't think there's going to be enough? But like what drives people to take such a short-term orientation towards them? Yeah, it's, 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 we're not very good with discomfort. I mean, that's the thing. We've been training ourselves to not be good with discomfort. And there's so many ways to distract ourselves from discomfort. We can buy something. We can take we could take a drug. We we can drink coffee. We can drink out. I mean, there's so many ways of pushing away bad feelings. And when the markets go down, it doesn't feel good for anybody. I just want to say that to everyone. That's universal. Nobody feels, there, maybe there's a couple of people. I actually have a few clients who get excited when the market goes down because they really get the buy low, sell high idea. But even I don't get excited when the market goes down. You know, I get a little depressed. And it's like, can you be with that for a moment and not react to it? Can you develop this resilience so that you can cultivate the patience 
to get through those difficult times because you know patience is going to fare much better in a downturn than that reactivity. Yeah. So that's that's one thing. And I think the other one is is this quieting down the idea that you're smarter than everybody else. You know, which you know a lot of the males have more, maybe more so than females, is this idea like I know it's going to happen in the future. I know Apple's a great company. I you know I use their products. I know it's great. Well, everyone else has maybe very similar ideas. The competition is huge. You know, buffer those those thoughts that you have that you know more than any everybody else. Um, and then you've got the media that's conspiring to, you know, when the markets go down, they don't say the market's going to come back up. They say the markets are going to go down further is what right. they said. You know, this is this is endless. You know, so we're all sort of, you know, we, we're all creating that kind of drama in our mind. It's a, you know, it's like our minds are not very good at uh, seeing the truth of things. Sometimes we create a lot of stories in our mind. Like maybe we have one bad day in our marriage, and we can create a whole story that this is going to lead to a divorce, and, da, 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 and yeah. this whole fearful story, or a kid doesn't come home in five minutes late, and we make up a whole story they got hit by a car, and we feel the emotions of that. Well, that's what we're feeling when like the markets go down or maybe our business has a bad quarter. We can feel those emotions as if like we're we're going to be dead. We're going to we're not going to be able to survive. It, it gets hit us at a at that where we get into that, that fight flight mode because we feel like our survival is at stake. It's it's that primal. And when our survival is, is at stake, we're in that reptilian brain, Steve. We're not making wise decisions. And that reptilian brain wants to, often wants to flee. And, you know, fleeing in, when you own a business might, me, might mean you fire someone impulsively. Fleeing with your investments might mean you just sell out when yeah. the market hits bottom. You just can't stand it anymore and you get out. Yeah, and I agree. And I mean, a, a couple of thoughts on that. I mean, I, it, the, the first thought is when you said, check yourself if you're thinking you're, you're, you're the smartest person out there because- you can do the analysis. You can compute the intrinsic value of Apple. You could apply a margin of safety. You look at the stock. You're like, it's a buy. This is definitely a buy. You, and then you may say, look, I want to you know, make my returns exponential. So I'm going to invest in stock options because I know Apple is going up. So you buy stock options to and you place that bet. And then all it takes is Tim Cook you know, says some weird little thing or you know, he, he says one word or he looks... You know, rolls his eyes to the left during a, an investors meeting, and the stock can tank. You know, so like yes. the, the stock market isn't an actual measure of a true company's intrinsic value. It should be, but it, it yeah. doesn't always follow that. So you got to be careful. The second thought is, back in the day, I remember when Netflix was thirty bucks a share, mm. and it went up to sixty. I bought it at thirty. It went up to sixty. I'm like, okay, I just doubled my money. This is great. I'm getting out because there's no way that Netflix, like Netflix is so overvalued right now. Like how the heck, because remember this is back in the day, like when they're like CD to like CD to like online, they, they weren't producing their own content and their movies and stuff. So I'm like, there's no way their value is going to go from here. So I sold. Mm. And then it went up to like 70 and 80 and 90. And I was like, dang it, son of a, and I was like sick to my stomach and I missed out. And, you know, then I, I, I told myself, I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to let the stupid stock market dictate how I feel. About it. I'd wake up and look, oh, the Dow Jones is down. I'm going to have a terrible day. Oh, it's up. 
I'm gonna have a great day. I'm like, I'm gonna yes. let that dictate my life. But so uh, that's, be- we'll get- that's beautiful. That's beautiful that our lives are so much bigger than the stock market, or so much bigger than you know how much money we make from a particular stock. And I think exactly. you know the truth. I, I think the other point of your story is we don't know what's gonna happen to one stock, and that's why you know I. I like buying, you know, thousands of companies. That's how I do it personally for myself because I admit I don't know what's going to happen to Apple. And the tricky thing about Apple is Apple's, you know, that it's like the A plus student that you're betting on. They have to keep meeting the expectations that the world has. If they don't, the stock could drop even though they're doing well. You know, if they have a great year, but not a super great year, the stock could go down because everyone's expecting them to have a super great year. No, and I think that's good. Let's go back to your your fear thing. Yeah, I like your your little hack here about interrupting yourself. I think that's great. But don't you think there's sometimes where the fear is legitimate? And how does somebody overcome that? So let's just say, okay, I'm you know I wake up, I do my daily routine, you know I do my workout, feeling great. I eat my yogurt, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna hit the day. You know, I'm going along. And then nine o'clock comes around, I take a little break, an article pops up, I read it, and it says, you know, AI is going to eliminate 25% of jobs in this industry. You're like, crap, that's my industry. I'm going to lose my job. If I lose my job, like, what is my wife going to think? And my kids, I, oh, and my kid, like, they're going to college and this uh, my daughter's getting married. And then you start spiraling, like you said, and your yeah. work goes out of control. And the, now all of a sudden, this one article, this one person's opinion, now all of a sudden has you telling yourself you're a loser like you're gonna go bankrupt your daughter's gonna hate you you don't even know if you're gonna be invited to the wedding and like all these thoughts spiral off of that and you start out this fear so talk to me a little bit about that okay because yeah um, let's talk about that first and i'm gonna give you another i mean it's great i mean you you you're you you should be writing a television uh series uh that, that was a great script you just came up with there on the moment uh i think I think to to gain this awareness that a you know is are all those things likely to happen you know maybe you mention it to a friend or you say to yourself if a friend told me the story what would I think about it now there are maybe some elements there you said well AIs might replace you know some percentage of my workforce maybe that line is true but the the line about like my daughter's not going to invite me to a wedding. You know, would my friend agree with that? Would I? Would I? Would I? Um, would I believe? Tell a friend that? Yeah, oh yeah, you're, you're. You know, because of AI, your daughter's like, no, I wouldn't say that. So it's sort of checking out some of the things. But then, yeah, if some of them seem like there's a possibility of that, instead of staying in the fear, maybe you take some action and you say, well, what do I need to do so that I'm not replaced by AI? And you start talking to people. So you get get move into action, get into engagement instead of staying here. We yep. tend to stay in rumination. This is not our our best our best source of information is right here. Get out there, you know. Go to a coffee shop. Talk to someone. Talk to a, a, a talk to somebody in a, in another company who owns another company. What are they doing about AI? Find out. Start a group. Uh, you know, what What should we do about AI? How do we respond to it? Um, you know, get your resume together. I mean, those just doing some of those steps can really help your wellness level, can really help your confidence level. So you're no longer in that freak out place. It doesn't mean you're, you're going to like leave and put your resume out there, but actually just polishing your resume could be a smart thing to do that morning. Because when we're in that place of calm, then our brains are functioning really well. 
and we're in good shape. We're going to we're going to do fine in the world. If AI replaces everybody, you'll figure it out if if you're in a relaxed mode versus that panic mode. No, and I and I really like that. I think that's great, Spencer. You know, it makes me think of, you know, a technique that I've tried where, you know, it's like, okay, your thoughts. Some people will say, okay, control your thoughts. Be a guardian to your mind. You know, watch your thoughts because like obviously they can, you know, spiral out of control. So I was dealing with this difficult situation and, you know, my thoughts, like I'd wake up, this thought would be in my head. And I mean, it's just like all day, the thoughts would spiral up. It is affecting me like personally, you know, with my work, with other people. Sometimes I just wanted to hide from the world because like I just I was dealing with this difficult situation. And I read in this book, and it's like, okay, don't try to control your thoughts, but control the feeling associated with the thoughts. Because if you control the feeling, then it addresses a thousand thoughts. Right. Otherwise, you're just yeah. like whack and roll, and you're trying to like not. Yes, yeah. yeah, so you're not going to get. You don't need to get rid of the thoughts. You're not going to get rid of the thoughts. Don't worry about the recirculating thoughts. You're just not going to entertain those thoughts. And here's the hack around the feeling that's been so powerful for me. When you're feeling scared, angry, some negative feeling, use the passive voice. This is so powerful. So instead of saying. I'm angrier. I'm scared. Just say, there's some fear in the body. There's some trembling in the stomach. If you can start describing the sensations of the fear, the sensations of the anger, wow, there's some heat in the chest. I'm noticed. I'm really angry at my broker because he didn't buy the stock I told him to buy or sell it. You know, you, you could, if you could start feeling the, the, so you're, you're taking it out of, I'm an angry person. I'm fearful to, there's some fear in here. There's some t- trembling in the belly. You start to gain some distance from it, and then you can move into a wiser decision-making ability. That's great. Uh, so I, that's a hu- huge hack that has helped me so much, especially in the business world. You know, it's like when I'm making decisions, hiring, firing, you know, changing, changing, shifting course with where I'm allocating resources. That hack has helped me so much. Yeah. No, and, and I love that. And I I love the interrupting thing because like you're going down this path, you're wide spiraling. And, and sometimes you seem to be like, stop. Yeah. And Steve, yeah. stop. Like, even if you say that out loud, like stop. Yes. You're like, yeah. You address yeah. the fear thing. Like here, here's the thing. It's like, sometimes I think, okay, I'm an entrepreneur. So I grow businesses and I, I take calculated risks. I'll take dumb risks, but I take calculated risks. Some things work out. Some things don't work out. But really what I came down to, like one day I had, to, I had to get logical with myself and it's like, Steve, okay, let's just say I lose everything. I, I use every single dollar of my savings. I cash out of my retirement funds. I use, I lose everything. I mean, worst case scenario, what? I'm going to go live in like my mom's basement or I'm going to have to like go live in an apartment yeah. and I'm not going to starve, right? Right. That's a really good- no, Like yeah. I'll build back up. That's a really good thing to have that plan B. I map it out for myself and my clients. I want everyone to write down what's our what's your plan B? Because if you know that, and often it's like, wow, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. That gives us a lot of resilience, a lot of power in the business world to make decisions and say, you know what, I'm okay, even if the worst thing happens, because it's not that bad. I mean, I still got my heart, my lungs, my brain. I'm okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I love it. Okay, this has been a, a great conversation. We need to end here, but everybody who's listening, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put, um, I'm going to create a page for Spencer. So Spencer Sherman, 
If you go to BYFIQ.com, which stands for Boosting Your Financial IQ, go to the website, go to his page. Um, I'll link, I'll provide some links. I'll give his bio so if you want to get in contact with him. Definitely check out his book. That'll be linked there as well. So be sure to check out his, his guest page. Spencer, before we end this, yeah, I have to ask you this question because my community is always like, ask your guest this. One or two books, it could be personal book, business book, anything that you're like, I love this book. I would, I'd recommend it. Any, any thoughts on that for the listeners? Yeah, books. Um, for some reason, the investment answer is coming to my mind. It's a great book that shows you the how simple investing can be if you if you just invest basically in index funds, um, gives you sort of a lot of history on, on that. Um, let's see. I'm going to give you Jeremy Siegel's book, Stocks for the Long Run. Excellent book. It It's that data really helped my emotions out. It helped simmer my emotions because I got to see like, wow, if you look at this thing, you are just, it, it shifted my allocation. And I'm also thinking about Daniel Kahneman. Look at his stuff because his stuff is amazing because his stuff shows you that the more you check your investments, the worse you'll do because you'll end up with a more conservative investment allocation. It will affect your mindset. So these are great things to really help us earn more money, both with our personal finances and in the business world. There you go, folks. There are some recommendations to check out. Spencer, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I love your philosophies. I love that that hack about interrupting your thoughts. And um, yeah, I, I wish you all the best. Thank you, Steve. Great to be here. And for everybody who's listening, be sure to go to byfiq.com, like I said, to check out the guest page and other resources that are available to you. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope you have a great week. And until next episode, take care. Cheers. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at BYFIQ.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit BYFIQ.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.